You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. Uh, uh, oh. Yep. You know, normally I would ask, how are you tonight, Vardy? But I know how you are tonight, Vardy. But tell Do us you? anyway. Tell us anyway. Well, I've been better. Mm-hmm. So, to anyone who's listening to this, if you're coming here because you're hoping for some positivity over the next hour, if you're looking for something to brighten your day up after the shit show that the last two weeks of, of hockey have been, I hate to break it to you. You're not going to find it here. This will be a miserable, miserable episode. It's going to be a lot of just a lot of shoulder shrugging. Mm. Audible shoulder shrugging. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So we are the Bannerman. This is episode 29. Vardy, whose episode would this be? Now, given the events of the last two weeks. Yeah. I want you to really dig deep. And I'm not I'm not going to give you any hints, Jeff Giuliano. But really really dig deep for episode 29. I I got I So first off, I'm sorry. 29 is is your number and this is going to be the saddest episode that we've ever recorded. <laughs> In, in the year that we've existed. Okay. Okay. All right. This is too dark already, man. We're I'm two sorry. minutes in. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, seriously. Um, we're going to be recording in the midst of the worst losing streak that we have experienced as as the Bannerman. And granted, it's been a short period of time, but I don't recall them ever having gone 0-6 in the Bannerman era. Um, actually. Oh? Last year. Did they? They went. They lost six straight in regulation in January. And I looked at this because I felt, like you felt, that not only is this the longest losing streak in the Bannerman era, but I felt it's probably the longest losing streak in five or six years. Um, right. No, no. There was a six-game losing streak last season, January. But here's the difference. We're ten games in. Yeah. Um. And we last, don't exactly have a cushion. No, last season we had a cushion. Last season the Kings were doing fine. They came out of the gate strong. So they built up this cushion that they could essentially fall back on, which is exactly what happened around that time. So a six-game losing streak in January last year was not as, oh, dark and <laughs> hollow as this one is, I guess. Yeah. All right, you know what? I don't like how we started, Vardy. We're going right. to go back to do how over? we started. No. Do over? No. We're going to go back to how we started last week. So we're going to talk about ourselves first. Then we'll go into the darkness. What do you say? All right. That All might right. cheer me up. Okay. All right, here we go, Vardy. All right. What did you do this past two weeks? Nothing. I worked a lot <laughs> and it was terrible. I looked forward to King's Hockey as a way to brighten my day. And I got nothing but more just dismay and 
disappointment in my life. Well, that backfired. Cool. Your turn. Maybe this will cheer you up a little. Um, <laughs> so this last last few days, actually, I've been um, realizing that I'm not as flexible as I used to be. In fact, my muscles are really haven't been that flexible. But recently, I mean this in the best way possible, best way possible. I have never recalled you being flexible. That's correct. All right. So imagine cool. I, I'm even worse now. Man. Can you touch your own elbows with the other hand? What do you mean with the other hand? Like, can you like reach over and touch the other elbow? Or is that too much? Come on, man! I'm not that bad. <laughs> my bad. Jeez. <laughs> now I can't touch my toes, but you know that's that's way different. Anyway, so my wife and I have been talking about doing like home workouts. Okay. And obviously, when you want to get flexible, the main thing you kind of look at is yoga, right? And at first, I was like popular. I've heard of it. You've heard of it, right? I have. Um, at first, I was very resistant. For the J, right? A long J. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I was very resistant to it until I remembered that <laughs> there is a program called DDP Yoga. Now, DDP is Diamond Dallas Page. I was wondering if that was and a DDP. That's him, a former professional wrestler and current yoga master. Okay. Uh, and <laughs> so his whole thing is like yoga for the regular guy, right? Or y- yoga for guys who, you know, think that yoga is just for women. Or I don't know what his catchphrase is, but it hooked me. Yoga for dudes who like leather vests. Sure. Right. <laughs> so anyway, um, <laughs> I've been doing it. Yoga for dudes who <laughs> self-hi-fi. I've been doing it. And the best part is like some of the poses are like the most wrestling things ever. Like... <laughs> He has a pose called the Diamond Cutter. (laughs) He also has a a pose called Road Warrior 1 and a Road Warrior 2. (laughs) Honoring legends left and right. So if if you're a wrestling fan, you're kind of like, yeah, I'm doing the Diamond Cutter right now. Um, But yeah, man, it's... uh, I am. I have a long way to go before I can get to the before flexibility. Before you can be as I flexible want. as Diamond Dallas Page. Exactly, that's my goal. Like I have my like when I work out, I, I put up his picture in Downward Dog or something, and I'm like, that's where I want to be. Downward Diamond Dog. That's right. Do they all have some sort of connotation? Every pose, like they'll take a standard yoga pose and give it some sort of wrestling thing like that like not all of them but like what's funny is anytime he, he tells you to like extend your arms out really fast he yells bang <laughs> <laughs> you guys can't see but Vardy is literally crying his oh, eyes man. out from laughter right now this makes me so happy <laughs> see i told you man i told you we could turn you it around it. you did it you cheered me up <laughs> You son of a bitch, you did it. <laughs> yeah. I'm here for now, you, man. Now I want, like, Undertaker yoga. <laughs> <laughs> Just really slow and methodical. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I call this one the Chokes Lab. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, speaking of the that's, dark side. <laughs> no, hold on. I didn't tell you what episode this was. Oh, that's right. You, you asked me, and then you just cut ahead okay so we didn't cover it what episode is this vardy so first things first i want you to answer a bit of trivia mm-hmm. so you're you're typically 
downright phenomenal when it comes to NHL trivia, and even more so when it comes to LA Kings trivia. I'm okay. I want you to tell me who was the longest reigning number 29 in Kings history. Ooh, okay, okay. The longest reigning number 29 in Kings history. The player to have worn the number 29 as a king for the longest period of time. Okay. Looking at it. It's... Dun, dun, it's hard. Dun. It's hard. I, I think it's I between. Them, folks. Hold I on. Them. I think it's between two players. Okay. I think let's it's get be- it down to one A and one B. I think it's between Jay Miller. Okay. And Brad Chartrand. Correct. It is between those two. Ah, oh, damn it. And the answer. Hold on. Will be, whosoever episode this is. Oh. Oh man. Okay. I'm gonna go with Brad Chartrand for the win. Incorrect. Oh, it's Jay Miller. It's the Jay Miller episode, oh. folks. Jay Miller uh. with, I believe, 230 games oh, as the number 29. Brad Chartrand with 215 games. However, Brad Chartrand played across more seasons, just not more games than Jay Miller. See, that's where. Yeah. Is he, is, I that's, mean, that's you, you got to give me some credit. Question. You got to give me some credit for oh, pulling those two names. Nominal amounts of credit. <laughs> Come on. I mean, you can't see him right now, guys, but he didn't Google it. I didn't tell him I was going to ask him this. No. Nothing. And no. not that I knew that off the top of my head. I had to look it up, obviously. But once I came across <sighs> those two, I was like, man, this is a good one. So yeah. I good, stumped him. Good question. You got me. You got me. The Jay Miller episode, ladies and gentlemen. You were, you were this close to getting some Popcornopolis, <laughs> big guy. It's all right. Next Bring time. Next time. Uh, fitting that is the Jay Miller episode because Jay Miller, not a goal scorer by any stretch of the imagination, a big penalty minutes guy. I mean, I'm sure Brad Chartrand outpaced him by quite a bit. Um, but yeah, man, let's, (laughs) let's, let's do an autopsy here, I guess. Um, the Kings are two, seven and one. When we wrapped up episode 28, they were 2-1-1. One, one. That episode, fairly positive. Fairly right. positive because it was coming off. Well, that San Jose game they lost in overtime I thought was a great game. I was like, if this is how it's going to be, this is it's going to be great. Right. Um, the losses, the overtime loss and the uh, regulation loss they had, they were tolerable losses. They weren't, you know completely out of it or, or anything like that it was palatable yeah pal thank you perfect they were palatable losses yeah so after so that was um san jose uh detroit winnipeg montreal right things were looking fine Go, we're gonna roll into ottawa and then toronto and we actually beat montreal who yeah turns out is better than Really, anyone could have predicted thus far. I believe they're six one and two now, and that yeah. one is the Los Angeles yeah. Kings. So, Go figure. <clears throat> coming out of that game, we look at Ottawa, Toronto on the road. We figure we get the split. I don't think anyone said, "Oh, we're going to beat Toronto," but what happens is it, I guess, triggers the beginning of what has been an absolutely miserable stretch of hockey for the Kings unacceptable on so many levels 
disheartening, um, unwatchable at times. It has been a dismal stretch of games. Um, the last six games, it's Ottawa, Toronto, New York. That's the Islanders, Buffalo, Dallas, Minnesota. A stretch where the Kings have scored, I don't know, eight goals. I, I, I'm, I think it's eight goals and have allowed a, just a devastating number. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's. You compare the first four to the last six. The first four, the Kings didn't allow more than two goals in any game, and they put up four against Detroit, three against Montreal. You know. And then their usual two or one against San Jose, Winnipeg, that part, fine. But, man, they've allowed every team that they've lost to in the last six games to score four goals against them. Yes. And as if to just, like, keep that stat running, we just literally this evening finished the Minnesota game, and they buried two empty netters to bring up the goal total again to four. Meanwhile, the Kings haven't scored more than two goals in any of those games. The Kings haven't had a lead since Adrian Kempe put him up one nothing in Montreal. Um, that's, if you're still counting at home, six straight without a lead. Uh, they've never, I mean, I don't want to say they've never been in any game because they were in the game against Dallas. They were in the game against Minnesota the last two. But you never really felt good about either game. At any point, really. You know, I was watching the Dallas game, <clears throat> and um, God bless Jim Fox. You know, I understand he has a job. I understand he, he has to be optimistic. I have nothing but respect and love for him. But there was a shift where Sean Walker, playing in his first NHL game, threw a couple of just floaters, just a couple of floaters at the net, and the excitement, it galvanized Jim Fox. And they were not <laughs> scoring chances. Okay, like... Yeah, a bishop just swatted them away. There was no traffic. It was just a shot mentality kind of thing. He just threw them on that grate. But that's where we are right now, guys. That's really where we are right now, where that is looked upon as a quote-unquote scoring chance when it is anything but that. And, and I saw a lot of that in Minnesota today. They had a good first period, okay, tonight in Minnesota. Great. But, like, I can't – we can't – the team can't be looking at these things with little moral victories anymore because it's slipping away. You know, there's an old adage in hockey. You can't make the playoffs in October, but you can certainly get eliminated from the playoffs in October. And I do believe that. If you're if you're in a deep hole early, October, November, and also that old statistic about, you know, Thanksgiving and where your positioning is by then. Right. Man, we're coming up on it now. And yeah. it's I don't know. The big thing is I don't know what's wrong. I mean, it's never just one thing, right? Like of course whenever not. a team whenever a team does this terribly, they're either built really terrible, like they're built to tank, kind of how Buffalo was the year when they really made a run for the McDavid uh, Eichel sweepstakes, that kind of level where they're just putting due to barely are AHL players on the roster and just seeing kind of what happens or it's just that everything's falling apart. And we certainly don't have an AHL roster. In fact, we've desperately tried to reach into the AHL ranks for the sake of getting some sort of a spark 
going with the team, bringing in guys like Wagner, uh, Walker, you know, Anderson Dolan for the period of time he was with us before he got sent that sent back down to Spokane, uh, Spokane. Um, it's just nothing seems to be working. Nothing. Quick's getting shellacked out there. Yeah. He's, he's getting not, outplayed he's by not, Jack He's Campbell. not looking great. I'll tell no, you. Like, he's really not. Um, one goal that comes to mind, and I, we're going to jump all over the place, guys. We're not going to yeah. go game it, it by game here. It all melts together he, at exactly. this point. Like, it's, it's, been, not... it's been one long game as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. there. I remember one goal in the Islanders game, Josh Bailey's goal. Um, I think it was a power play goal. He was coming down the half wall and he just right. rifled one far side on quick. Right. And if you watch that goal, quick is so far off his angle that he's cheating to his left right. and completely exposing his blocker side. And he just gets beat flush. It wasn't even like a, I don't think it was even a, post there was no screen. In. There was nothing. Right. And the it camera wasn't angle that they showed from behind the net. You could just see the gap. You could see the exact window that Bailey was looking at and he put the puck. Right. So like right there, I'm like, okay, like, Where's his head at? You know, yes, he was just returning and all this, so fine. Then against Dallas, that the, I can't really pick one, but that long rebound to Spezza is maybe right. something you can nitpick on. Now, obviously, he's coming. You know, it's a long rebound. Someone needs to be there to clean it up too. Right. It's a two-way street. It's not like you know, old quick letting a fat, juicy rebound. So it's on him, but. In the past, he's been able to handle those rebounds much better, either absorb them or steer them in a safer place than right up the middle. Right. I don't know. So there's – like you said, there's a lot of things that aren't working right now. And when you have something or a team or a situation that has so many issues, turning it around seems like a really daunting task. Yeah. And, and that's how it feels right now because a lot of things have to go right. And when you look at it in retrospect, a lot of things went right last year for the Kings. Coming off a season before that where almost everything went wrong. And now we're kind of – it feels like 16-17 again. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't want it, Barty. I hated that season. It was a miserable season from beginning to end. Right. And this feels like it's trending in that direction. Yeah, I think um, – I think – when when you get to a point like this, like you're you're fighting it between your ears as much as you're fighting it out on the ice, you know. Like every time a puck bounces over your stick, you you can't help but dwell on it and think to yourself, like, when is this bad luck ever going to run out? Like every small thing, I think you magnify it as a player in your head, and you and you start thinking to yourself that it's never going to get better, you know, and. I don't know if you put that on the coaches. I don't know if you put that on the players. Cause these, I mean, these are all veterans, you know what I mean? These are guys who, who've, who've seen some bad seasons for this team and I've seen some good seasons for this team. And you would think that the one thing that we can, I think we can all agree on is that they're playing below their capability. I don't care if you think that like they're too old or we should have traded away. Whoever you have to kind of look at this team and think to yourself, come on, this is not a, f a five points in 10 games kind of team. Right. Like, I think I think we can all agree on that. Like, this is not a team that that should be only one point ahead of Detroit at this point in the entire league standings. And the worst part is, if you look at the Pacific standings, this is exactly the type of start that you were hoping that the damn team could take advantage of, because no other team has really 
shined in any way. You know what I mean? You're talking about records of like five, five and one for Anaheim, Vancouver six and five, San Jose's five, three and one, Calgary's five and five. Like there's not a single team that's really doing well right now in the Pacific. Nope. And if they worst division just, in hockey right now. Exactly, exactly. And if they could have just played to the ability that you know that they have, even if they played average hockey for them, they would be in the thick of it right now. But they have managed to play such subpar hockey for a six-game stretch that it just it you've dug yourself such a mental hole. I think more than the, the objective like points hole that they're in that. I don't even know how you get out of this. I don't even know how you bring yourself to like gradually work your way out of this. Yeah. So let's kind of try to explore that. Okay. Let's kind of try to explore the options. Okay. We're not general managers, but you understand that within the framework of a sports team, you have only a handful of options, maybe less of what you can do. Number one, fire the coach. Okay. That's, that's usually your go-to move. Because and it's one of my most hated cliches, but you can't fire twenty three guys, right. so you got to fire the coach. Right. Fine. So let's explore firing the coach. The main thing I'm hearing <clears throat> when people advocate for firing Stevens is the the and these are these words are starting to annoy me. Like the coach isn't preparing the team to play. What exactly does that mean? Okay, if it's strategy, I understand. But they're not talking about strategy. They're talking about preparing the players to compete. These are grown men, okay? These are grown adults, most of them veterans. What exactly is John Stevens going to do to prepare a Jeff Carter, a Tanner Pearson, a Tyler Toffoli? What is he going to do to prepare them mentally for a hockey game? Yeah, I I don't think this again. I think it's I think that's a cop out excuse. I think it's a cop out excuse to say like this is the coach's fault. He's not preparing them. He's not motivating them. When I watch these games and I see them not being able to complete tape to tape passes, not being able to clear a puck out cleanly, just taking random swipes at loose pucks, not taking an extra you know stride to to try to win a fifty fifty puck battle, taking stupid penalties. I don't see how a coach changes that. I don't see how a coach is, is going to manage every single second of a player's behavior out there. A coach can lay out the strategy. A coach can pick out the lines. A coach can lay out the plan of attack. So if you want to put it on Stevens that, okay, the offensive entry consists of too much dump and chase. He encourages that too much. Okay. I think that's a fair criticism. You want to criticize the PK and say that they focus too much on trying to start the plays, um, you know, by dump and chase setups or whenever they do have a setup, they're looking to generate the offense from the points as opposed to passing down low or, you know, low to high, whatever it is, that's fine. That's actual like strategic issues that you have with the team. But when I watch these games that I don't, as much as those things are, are not looking good at the moment where I see them failing a lot of times are these dirty zone exits and neutral zone plays where they're not connecting on the rush and they're not generating any speed and offense or transition coming out of their own zone. And then the next time around the pucks already in their net. I don't, I don't see how that's on the coach. I, I really don't. I agreed. The main thing, the one thing you said is clean zone exits. 
and clean zone entries, by the right. way. That's right. that's where hockey is played. That's where hockey is won. That's where ho- hockey is lost. Um, the two places they say, other than the slot, obviously, you don't want to turn the puck over, is at either blue line. Because the flow of action is moving either out of your zone while you're making that turnover right. or is flowing into the zone while you're making that turnover. And it has been ugly. Today, the Kings had two straight clean zone exits with a clean breakout. And I almost soiled myself because they had not done that in six games. Quick ups, you know, like one pass to the middle, one pass to the wing. It's like quick one, two, and you're out of the zone. And it's just, it hasn't been there. The execution is terrible right now. There is a complete disjointed feel with the team. I I don't know how many times I've seen a player rim it around and no one's there. Or yeah. the guy who's supposed to be there is forechecking through the middle instead right. of along the boards. And he now right. he has to chase and curl along the boards where their defenseman already has a clean out or at least enough time to chip it out. Right. It's little things. It's like details of the game. And John Stevens says this a lot. It's the details of the game. It's the details of the game. And I agree with him. It's little things that snowball into big things. And and that's where the, the team is losing games. Adrian Kempe, his, his penalty parade – it's getting out of hand now. It's really, yeah. it's now, it's, you know, you're one of the fastest skaters on the team and you refuse to take two extra strides to get on top of the player and you rather use your stick to commit stupid stick fouls. And today's boarding penalty, I mean, what are, what are you doing? What are you doing, yeah. kid? Why would you do that? You're not removing the man from the puck. The puck's gone. You just straight up blindside board a guy. Why to show that you're you're being you're involved? I mean, I don't get it. I it is baffling what's happening, and it's all over the ice too. Yeah, I I don't even understand. I I don't understand some of the things that I see out there from not just him, from a lot of players. Pearson, where yeah. exactly has Tanner Pearson He's, been this season? He has been a ghost. You know, it's. Un, it's not noticeable you know sometimes no you, not at all sometimes you say you know oh he's not noticeable that's good well maybe for a defenseman or something but but i mean that was one of the the highlights that and i think we talked about this about pearson was even when he wasn't necessarily scoring the way he was a couple seasons ago you were always getting the sense that he was in the right position he was yes. always making the right plays his, his net front game last season I haven't seen anything. Nothing. I have not seen anything from him to to make me feel like this is a guy who's a 2020 player. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I can't imagine five goals from him at this point, much less 20 goals from him. Yeah, he's he's fighting it right now. He's really like, – he's a non-factor and he's too young to be a non-factor right, right. now. And that's, right. that's just what it is. And. Just I want to peel back to Stevens one more time. So say sure. so say Blake fires Stevens. Yeah, this I don't would, know where you go from there. This would essentially be the second coach the team has run out of town. Right. Because they were boo-boo face about Sutter, <laughs> right? So they were like, he's mean, whatever the hell. I'm paraphrasing or even just making no, it no, up you're right. straight up. But yeah. like, okay, so that didn't work fine. We made the coaching change. Last season, it was rainbows and butterflies. We love it. We love playing for him. This is great. Now, this season, you hear, I know it's maybe not serious, but a lot of people saying, are they trying to get the coach fired by playing this way? Are they, you know, 
sending a message to management, which is stupid, by the way. Right. There's no friggin' way that's happened. But but still, like, okay, so this will be the second coach in three years that would be fired because you guys essentially can't put it together. Right. For some reason, whether it's you don't like your coach, whether it's just you just can't put it together. So what's what's going to change? What do they need? What kind of coach do they need? Do they need another fiery guy like Sutter? Because that didn't work. Now the the hand-holding coach doesn't work. So what's going to work? Yeah, I, I really don't know. I really don't know because literally a year ago, they started hot out the gate, leading the division, and everyone was talking about how much fun it is to play hockey again and – you know, the offense was being generated through the middle and guys looked like they were they were making those kind of skill risky plays and, and and just looking like they were reborn. Now I watch this team and I ask myself, how is it possible that Brown, Kopitar and Dowdy all had career years last year in terms of the numbers they put up? And why would they, after having a year like that, suddenly decide that we're going to run the coach out of town. So that's the, I think that theory is bogus. I think that theory is just just horseshit, yeah. quite frankly. Yeah. Um, and I don't know where you go from there. And I especially don't know where you go from there 10 games into the season. You know, a coaching change, especially something abrupt like that, when you really weren't expecting it necessarily. It's not like this team was, was trending down for a season and then, you know, he was on the hot seat to start the season and now you, you kind of right. had some candidates Writings in the back the of your wall. mind. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Now you're asking a team to, conternally, to completely go about face early on into the season when you don't really have a candidate in mind. This isn't exactly a Terry Murray, Daryl Sutter situation where Dean was just waiting for the – for the chance to fire Murray so he could get Daryl off the farm and bring him back, that kind of thing. I don't even know if there's anyone in Blake's mind that he would have brought in because all indications were that when he hired Stevens, he interviewed every candidate out there and thought to himself that despite that, Stevens was the guy that should have been coaching this team. So I can't imagine that opinion of him has changed in 10 games time, but that's not to say that he won't be made a scapegoat. You know what I mean? Yeah. And again, sometimes you have no choice. Right. If you're change Blake, for the sake of change you, kind of like, thing. At some point, you're like, okay, we have to do something. Like something has to be done. And I don't know if we're there yet, but we're certainly approaching it quickly. Um, so the next question is who would you hire, right? It's usually when there is a coaching change like this, you either, you know, bump up the assistant right. or have him as an interim until you find someone. But if you look around at established coaches, it's slim pickings. You know, Dave Tippett's with Seattle. He's off. Anyone else you could think of? There's one other guy, Elaine Vigneault, apparently. No. The, the New York Post. No. New York Post legend Larry Brooks uh, wrote an article recently saying how Elaine Vigneault would be a perfect fit for the How Los so? Angeles Kings. <laughs> How so? When um, Brooks was probably more than anyone probably responsible for for having Vigneault, you know, getting thrown out of New York. Probably hired, actually, because I think he was <laughs> – him and Torts went at it a lot. Yeah, and I can't imagine that Brooks started writing complimentary articles about Vigneault 
But he's an offensive coach, okay? He, he's more offensive-minded. He's not a drill sergeant and all this stuff. So whatever. It's But if you really break it down, he's pretty much the only guy out there because you're not going to bring in Hitch, obviously. So it's Hitchcock, Vino. I can't think of anyone else. I really can't. Yeah, and I'm not enthused by either of those. And clearly no other teams were either. You know, there's plenty of teams that hired new coaches this offseason, and everyone kind of went off the board, either hiring guys from college or from the AHL. Yeah. So I think if if Alain Vigneault was, was really that much of a legitimate candidate, you know, he'd have a job by now. Yeah. And he really doesn't. Um, Tony Granado? Maybe. He's not going to leave Wisconsin. I, yeah. It's I, not in the middle of the season. I highly, yeah, yeah. highly doubt it. That is one of the top hockey programs in the NCAA. Would he just abandon ship to no. come? I, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Has, has anyone, has a college coach been hired and elevated in the middle of a season Mid-season? ever? I, have, I, can't, I can't think of. Probably not. An example is usually an off-season move. Um, right. So, essentially what we're saying is, Stephen's probably not going to get fired. And I'm okay with that. That that wouldn't be my first choice anyway. Now, if the Kings lose like 10 in a row, I think you're going to have to do something with the coaching staff. Maybe wipe out the assistants. I don't know. I Like, I really don't know. Um, so, that's that. If I, if I had to bet on it, I'd say... Stevens doesn't get fired unless this losing streak really goes somewhere. So let's give it some odds. Really bad. Really bad. Five to one, ten to one, twenty to one odds. I like percentages. Let's play percentages. All right. So what percentage what, would you give? How, how many? So what's the percentage of Stevens getting fired sometime this season? Sometime this season. What kind of framing do you want to put around? Let's it? say. Let's say. It's pretty clear, I think, that the Kings are going to do okay, let's let's give it a percentage chance that between now and Thanksgiving, what what is potentially going to happen to change this team? Okay. All right. What is the percentage chance that John Stevens gets fired between now and Thanksgiving? I'm giving it twenty five percent. I was going to say 40, so that's Wow, fine. you're going higher. I'm going higher. Okay. I'm, I'm going lower the, because okay. recently Rob Blake also went out and said, like, he's a good coach. It's not the coach. I get it, which is which is where that 60% positivity comes <laughs> but, in. But like we just said, if right. this continues, you're going to have to. Exactly. So. Exactly. So, so there's the So 40. you're essentially saying there's a 60% chance. The, or uh, there's a 40% chance that the Kings are going to continue this dismal losing streak. Correct. Okay. And I'm saying there's a 25% chance, essentially, what it comes Correct. down to. Okay. All right. Yes. Cool. All right. So we've decided that that's the pot- coaching option. Yes. What are our other options? In terms so of option number two around? is making a trade, obviously. Okay. Um, we'll get into possibilities, but let's do our percentage first. Okay. I think it's about a 50% chance that a trade happens, meaning that I think it's more likely than than Stevens getting fired. I'm going like 80%. Okay. A trade's going to happen, dude. I'm telling you. I mean, I'm I'm trying to add it all up to 100%, that kind of thing. So I think 40%, 50%, 
And then there's a 10% part well, of me that but thinks they're not, they're but, just going to stick it out and see what goes, see what happens. Right. But I mean, you could do both. True. Essentially. True. Right. So I'm giving it more. I think a trade is going to happen. Okay. Now what's, what constitutes a major trade and a minor trade? I don't know, but I think a roster player is being moved in whatever soon because it's not it's not working it's not working if you need to trade an established player to shake things up and honestly out looking back now it's obviously hindsight is 2020 and it's easy to say it now but like the kings have needed a move like this for a long time and we've been talking something about that like shakes the foundation a little bit yeah, we've, been talking, we've yeah. been talking about this for, I feel like, an entire season now that a trade is coming. These guys' names are in the rumor mill, and it was only because of their surprising play last season that it didn't happen, quite frankly, I think. Yeah. I think it's because they started off as well as they did. They bought themselves a playoff spot. They stayed competitive through the trade deadline. And kind of forced Blake's hand to try and improve the team rather than trade things away that it didn't happen. But I fully believe that – and even then actually it did happen because they traded Gavrik to, to get Fanouf. So it wasn't it wasn't a completely you know, f- free and clear kind of move. Right. Within, within one season, Dwight King, Jordan Nolan, uh, Marion Gavrik all gone. So moves were made, and the team made the playoffs. And you could argue that by virtue of some of those moves, maybe it jarred the the roster that was still left to kind of try a little harder. I think the Kings need like a real hockey trade where an established player from either I don't maybe not the immediate core, but that secondary peripheral core moves and. Someone comes in, just it's not even about fear. It's like the the team seems to, and we talked about this with Kyle Clifford last episode, and this isn't necessarily about him, but not enough of a threat uh, in their position for their position. You know, not enough of no urgency to keep their spot. Essentially, yeah. that's that's a big yeah. thing that's going on with this team right now. There's who is in danger of losing their quote-unquote spot you know and now it seems like everyone not i'm sure you saw martinez's comments like you know anyone can move we're all replaceable things like that and it's easy to say those things but now we're at a point where yeah like if you look at up and down the roster there's like three guys four guys that you're like okay you guys don't move but everyone else yeah you're you know I would take calls on if I'm Rob Blake, honestly. Yeah. And it's easy when everyone's playing badly because you don't want to get rid of the guys who are playing well, but if everyone's playing badly, then yeah, it makes your, makes your decisions a lot easier. And don't forget Rob Blake's trying to keep a job too. Right. So it's not, he's does, I mean, I know his buddy's running things now, but you still, I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to get fired two years in, but I think you build, you know, you build your your laundry list from day one. I think that's you know, if you do well, that keeps you in a position longer. If you do crappy, your leash gets shorter. 
you know, the fact that Lombardi had won two cups is probably what kept him in a position of being a GM for as long as he ended up being a GM. That's even when things started kind of turning sour. Sure. I mean, the, look, the margin is so small. If the Kings, you know, miss the 2012 playoffs, which they were dangerously close right. uh, to doing, you don't know what happened in that offseason oh, yeah. with, with Dean Lombardi because he was already in year six, seven of his plan. So, yeah. and it wasn't, the results weren't there. Right. So, it's crazy. That's how <laughs> that's how fine a line it is, and it, it goes back to what's happening this season. It's a fine line for everybody, right. and I don't know. So you're saying fifty percent on the trade? Yeah, I think so. I'm going eighty. I think, I think someone something's happening soon. Okay, between um, now and Thanksgiving. Yes. Okay. Are yeah. there any other options? Well, there's always the option of do nothing. There's always the option of kind of looking at this and being like, this is an aberration. There's no reason, there's no reason based on this roster and what we know about them that they should be playing quite as badly as they are. The Pacific Division is still wide open. Yeah, it's and, not good. And, you know, you string together a four-game four win streak and all of a sudden, you know, you're not totally out of it. But I guess you have to just kind of look at what you're – what are you playing for? Right? Like, are you are you playing because you just want to sniff the playoffs and feel like, hey, we made it and we're good? Or are you playing because you sincerely think that this roster is made up of guys who are gonna who are gonna get you there? You know, that's a tough and question. That's a is. tough question because look, we've been doing this podcast two years, and I don't think we've once hinted that we believe the Kings can win the cup in. Whether that be last season or this season. That's because I don't think they can. Exactly. Right? So I agree with you. I don't think they can either. So It's hard for me to look at the teams that I know are cup contenders. And even though I didn't necessarily think Washington was going to win the cup last year, it's hard for me to look at how they played and or even the teams that I think are still going to be contenders for the cup and think that the Kings stand any chance against them in a seven-game series. It's just reality. Right. So so that's like another conundrum. So what <laughs> what are the Kings? What are they playing for? What are they doing right now? Now, look, there's been episodes, you'll find them, pull them up after last year where I was really ticked off at anyone who said that the team should be blown up. And I And I stand by that still. I stand by that still. You should not blow this team up. Not with Dowdy at the age he's at. Not with Kopitar. You can't. Anyway, you can't. Tr- Who's going to take those contracts right now? Right. So let's forget that. I still contend that you should not. I'm not. I'm, to be to be perfectly clear, I'm not talking about moving Dowdy or Kopitar. Right. Oh, or, no, 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 no. You agreed. The three or four guys I was talking about, they're included yeah. in it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no doubt about that. Um, but the question is, what is what is the game plan with the team? So right. They can't win, not right now. Right. Um, I thought in my mind is, okay, build up the pipeline with enough kids that can make an impact in two years, maybe three years, whatever, and then have your veterans be now moving back to that second wave of threats and your younger players now become your top line 
kind of threats. So right. you're looking at your Velardis, Kempe, Anderson Dolan. Um, I guess Ayafalo now you could throw him in there. I mean, he's the leading scorer on the team. Who am I to argue? That is a fact. Um, so is that, you think, where the team is, where their mindset th- is moving forward? Is that where? I think it has to be. I think it has to be because right, I because- don't think that this is a team that is ever, with the current players in the current generation of Kopitar, Dowdy, Quick, Brown, I'll throw them in there at this point. I think with that current generation of the core, they're never going to get to a point where they blow it up. They're going to ride those guys until they retire or they're too old to play well enough. And then you just kind of do a salary dump trade somewhere if that, if it necessitates that. But I think as long as those guys are playing the idea of blowing it up or tanking or, or trying to get like a top five lottery pick kind of thing as a means of rebuilding this team is not going to happen. I think there's, they're either going to make the playoffs and try and go far. They're going to get lucky with a couple draft picks or some decent trades for younger guys, or maybe Velarde gets healthy and, you know, Kempe figures things out or, or one of these college free agents that they sign comes in and isn't just another third line guy, but actually shows some first line potential like I follow, but maybe with a bit more offense. I think guess, I guess what I'm saying is that they're, they're trying to maintain a certain average and hoping that they can strike lightning with a couple guys who can put them over the top. That has to be their game plan, in my opinion. Because to think that you can have these players putting up career years and then tanking and hoping that you get Jack Hughes or something like that as a means of like replenishing the cupboard, that's that's not the way to, to go about it. I don't think you can go about it that way. That makes for miserable hockey. That makes for a terrible product. And... That's not the type of team that I think they ever want to be again. I don't think they ever want to be that type of team that's hoping to get the number two pick so they can draft another Drew Doughty or something like that and kind of rebuild with, from crappy season to crappy season until they finally you know, become something. It's, it's tough, man. It is, it is tough to figure out what is ailing the LA Kings top to bottom right now. Yeah. Um, you could, I mean, look, those years where Lombardi was going for it every year, I would say between 2011 and uh, 2016. Right. Um, that put a dent in, in a lot of things for the Kings. Yeah. A lot of things. Did. But I've always said, like, man, what was he supposed to do? What was he supposed to do? He, he had an opportunity. The window was wide open. He did what he felt he had to do. I don't really blame him for too much. Um, I yeah, I'm not going to sit here in 2018 and blame a guy after he put up two banners. You know what I mean? Like, right, that's not, right. I don't, I don't even think I blamed him at the time or even right after. Whatever. He did what he had to do. If he didn't do it, he would, the people would say, oh, look, he's not doing anything. The window's open. Do something. So it, it, the Kings are in like this limbo position. And it's weird because there was so much positivity coming into this season. Yeah, there really was because you're like, okay, you know, they they were attacking the middle of the ice last year, right. and they are absolutely not doing that this season. Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, not dangerous you, up the middle at all, at right. all. I don't know if you have access to like one of those those shot heat maps or whatever, right? That like uh, Michael Blake McCurdy puts up and everything, right? But I mean, it's it's everything is from the outside. Everything is from the outside, right? 
they, they're not even attempting. They're not even attempting to penetrate the middle of the ice. And again, the same complaints that we had about the power play even, about Kovalchuk like not even being a part, a strategy, you know, an approach on the power play. Like he could just be any other guy out there. And yeah. he's not. He's not. You don't have just throwaway players on this damn team. You've got 90.40 goal scorers on this team, multiple 40 goal scorers on this team. And what are you doing? What is your strategy to get these guys, you know, mobilized, activated? And there's nothing. It just looks like random, you know, slapdash hockey out there. I think I figured it out. Lay it on me. Pierre Turgeon. <laughs> I've, I've read that theory too. Have you? The, the, the lack of the offensive coordinator theory. I mean, <laughs> look. <laughs> we we kind of laughed it yeah, off last year. We've looked at everything year. else. We laughed it off last year. Like, you know, what exactly is he going to tell Kopitar? You know, like, don't drive around the net or like... <laughs> You can't score from back there, Kobe. Did you know that? Um, yeah, I don't know. Obviously, I'm kidding about the Pierre Turgeon thing. It's just the absurdity has gone to that point, and you understand why, because finding answers is very difficult. Um, Drew Doughty snapped at John Stevens a couple of games ago when when Stevens suggested that the team didn't compete or the team wasn't trying, or they stopped trying. Dowdy snapped back at him real quick saying, I don't agree with that. We were trying our ass off, things like that. And I think he's right. I don't see – It's. I don't think it's a lack of effort. I think it's misused energy or like misdirected energy or – Again, this is very hard to <laughs> this podcast is going like way off the rails by now because yeah, we have no idea what the hell's going on. But mis- a lot like the Kings right now. Misdirected effort, like lack of is it focus? I don't know. I don't even know. I think it's a lot of second guessing. I think losing you know, breeds losing. And sometimes when you just get on these like little ruts you just you can't figure out what you're doing wrong. You can't figure out what you're doing right. You can't even figure out like why you're doing what you're doing. You just kind of go out there and then you end up doing nothing. You're so mentally stuck thinking about every move that you're making and thinking about the consequences of another loss, of another goal against, of another like dropped coverage, another risky offensive play or something like that, that every mistake gets magnified tenfold. And it just it just snowballs from there. Yeah. And of course, the big thing, we've always said it, confidence, confidence, confidence. There is a complete lack of confidence yeah. up and down the lineup right now. Right. Passing up shots that are the decisions are yeah in the God. slot he, he went to oh Kopitar I know to give him about. like dude come on yeah come it, on and it was on the power play that's a nine it out of was, ten times that's a goal for him dude or at least a shot on goal like we end up with no shot on goal there you know Kopitar he, like Kopitar is not even expecting it because that's your top shooter man no. like in the slot 
Like in where goals are scored, he's standing right there, and he had it, and and he he looked. If over. you have time to stick handle and give a backhand pass, you had time to take a forehand no, shot. Yeah, you know he has his releases, world class. So he could have gotten that off. There's no doubt about it. But again, this is up and down the offensive line. Like no one wants. Right. It's like no one wants to take it and be like, man, just give, just let me do it. Right. I know I know hockey doesn't work that way, but you got to have that but attitude. Sometimes you need to. Yeah, sometimes the you attitude need a guy is like what that. it is. The attitude. Sometimes is what you it need is. a guy like Ovechkin or something like that to just take the puck and just ram it down their throat. Yeah, and maybe Dustin Brown's that guy. Maybe maybe <laughs> he's going to come back on Sunday and just re-energize his team. Maybe they took the C off of the guy, but he never stopped being the captain. Ain't that a sign of the times, Damn. my friend? Ain't Damn. that. Look where we are. <laughs> Look wow. where we are. We have, we have it's done full some circle. circles and hula hoops, <laughs> and here we are lamenting the absence of Dustin Brown. Ain't yeah, that a bitch. <laughs> yeah, the guy that I'm sure the Kings at some point. Not I'm sure. I know they try to trade him. They probably looked at every possible angle to send him to Robida Island. <laughs> and it just they couldn't they kept them they stripped them of the captaincy we know we don't want to go over this again but now in 2018 he's our he's our hope he's our only hope Vardy. Yeah. and he's our obi-wan kenobi yeah and actually gabe velardi skating and gonna take contact soon and you know what man i i read that tweet and i was like this could be this could be the turning point, and then I caught myself, and I'm like, "Good lord, <laughs> like good." This is, this is going to. to be the turning point. Yeah. A 19 year old kid. Yeah, I mean, this is. It feels like we're grasping at straws and and just trying anything, anything to kind of turn it around, because it's just. It feels like a million ton weight for them. And the problem is that it's easy to lose six, seven, eight games in a row. It's hard to put together that many wins. And if you've already dug yourself a hole like this, how do you recover? How do you come back from this in any reasonable fashion where you don't look back at this in March or April and think to yourself, man, we lost the yeah, season there it in October. Is. There it is. Yep. Just like, let's be honest, they kind of made the playoffs last year in the first quarter of the season. Oh, totally. Totally. They That's, rode their start all the way yeah. through. They were they were average for most of the last couple months, below average in the playoffs. Yeah. And then pretty much, and I, I realized I really shouldn't be using preseason as anything, but they were pretty terrible in preseason too. <laughs> So really we're going on now like, I don't know, a full calendar year of just very meh, uninspiring hockey from them. I mean, maybe this is who they really are. I don't even know anymore. I really don't even know anymore. Yeah. Maybe you just, maybe you package Pearson and Martinez and whoever and send them to Detroit and get Nyquist and hope that somehow that helps either team out somehow. God, that's know. a terrible trade. <laughs> I'm I'm 
spitballing. <laughs> if I could get Panarin, I would, but I can't. You, you don't have the assets to get Panarin. Exactly. They're not exactly. going to take. They're not going to take, take Pearson, Pearson Muzzin, and whatever. Right. This is the other problem with having a crappy start like this. The value of any trade piece that you would have on your roster is, is diminished. Is, <laughs> exactly. Is directly correlated to how terrible your team is playing. Yep. So if. Alex Ayafalo is your leading goal scorer. No one is calling you saying, hey, man, what about that Tanner Pearson kid? You know, like, <laughs> no one cares. Yeah. No one cares. Yeah. Uh, look, William Nylander, right? You're not – what are you going to offer Toronto? Yeah. What are you going to – they need a defenseman, okay? Let's say who are you going to offer. Jake Muzzin is the best defenseman you could offer them. Right. Okay. Jake Muzzin plus – by the way, you have to offset that salary. Right, that kid. Yeah. That kid's gonna make six million minimum, six Easily. seven million. Right, Easily. you have to offset that salary. Muzzin and who are you gonna throw in? Toffoli, Pearson. Okay, Muzzin, Pearson. You got to throw in a pick mm-hmm. or a prospect. You want to throw yeah. in Anderson Dolan? It's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot, but you're getting you're getting someone who. I mean, the promise of him scoring 40 goals a year is there. That, that's the type of shooter he is. So that's what it's going to take, dude. Why would Toronto be like, Yeah. why would no, Toronto want anything less? Yeah, I agree. You know, like you you throw in Muzzin there. Um, let's say you throw in Pearson on their third line left side, which they don't need, by the way. Yeah. All they need is defense. Why wouldn't they, they ask for they that? They might do what the Kings – have been threatening to do but haven't pulled the trigger on and that's healthy scratch Tanner Pearson. <laughs> right. Right. Just because he's like the sixth best left <laughs> yeah. in their freaking lineup because Marlowe I think is their third line left wing or something nuts like yeah. that. Anyway, so give me a percentage right now based on what you've seen. Percentage of the Kings making the playoffs this year based on the Pacific Division being hideous. 20%. Mm-hmm. 20%. I was going to say 25. All right. So it's I just, think it's tough to recover from this. It's it very, is. very difficult. Is it impossible? No, absolutely no, not. I've seen them. I've seen them run, you know, I've seen them go on seven game win streaks. And oh eight yeah. Game win streaks. 2012, man. Yeah. After the coaching change, they went on an absolute tear. Um, yeah. So I don't know it's, what it's going to take to get there, but. It's not impossible. It's just, you know, it's one thing. There were years where they went, they started the season 0 4. This is a couple of years ago. And you were seeing that, like, they were out shooting their opponent. They were out possessing their opponent. They were getting better chances. The other team would just come down the ice and score. And it was just frustrating. And you're like, we're outplaying these guys and we're losing. This isn't like that. We're getting yeah. outplayed thoroughly. Yeah. Thoroughly on a yeah. nightly At basis. At best, we're playing even sometimes. At best, right? Like any of the six losses where you thought the Kings were the better team for the entire game. Yes, when no, you look at the game and you're like, we outplayed them, but we lost. Absolutely not. Yeah, that's the difference. That's the difference between this season and all the seasons in the past where they've gone on losing streaks. Is you looked at it, you're like, there's some games where you just you're outplaying them and it's just not going in for you. And that's happened a lot for the Kings. Trust me, a lot. Yeah. Um, but not this season. This season, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. So you're saying 20, I'm saying 25. Yeah. Um, I think it's more likely they get a lottery pick than it is they make the playoffs. Oof. 
That's where even though I don't want that to happen. That's where we're at. I think it's more likely because I just uh, mark this episode, not, guys. Mark yeah. this episode. We're gonna go back to this one. Yeah, they are not playing up to their talent in any way. Certainly not. I don't think anyone could argue that. So we'll see what happens, Vardy. We'll see what happens. Um, Dustin Brown coming back on Sunday against the Rangers. Good news. Twelve thirty game. We do so well with those. Yeah. So, so well. It was interesting. The Kings telecast actually threw up a win-loss record, and we actually were not that bad. So this It is, just seems like it's worse. It just seems like it's worse for whatever reason. <laughs> I think there's been plenty of games where they've played like crap and squeaked out some points. Maybe that's that's what it is. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Here we are. You want to take a... Sorry, guys. You, you want to look Sorry. at the schedule? fine hold on one second let me pull it up i'm sorry I, it, it's just hard man it's hard to like motivate yourself it's hard to like it's hard to find... watch this game it uh, is it's hard to watch their games right now it is when you see i was so bored today i was watching that minnesota game and i was bored to tears they were down by one in the second period and obviously they're on a five game losing streak and i thought to myself come on man if there's ever a time to just really – because they didn't have a bad first period. It was kind of a – not a fluky goal necessarily, but the first goal, fine. It was okay. not your average goal. No. Granted, that you know, Muzzin Sliding did the right and, thing. He, yeah. was, he was late on coverage there. He tried to take a penalty and he still man, – still managed to score. Fine. It happens. Yeah. Campbell had been playing well. Campbell still played well, I think. And he's fine. Kept them in it and gave them a chance. And I thought to myself, okay, you're going to come out now because you survived that period and you're going to, you're going to do something. Someone is going to do something. Someone is going to take this puck and do something to wake this team up. You know, Kovalchuk's going to drag someone, you know, Kobe's going to pull some sort of stick handle out of his butt that we've been waiting 10 games for. And it was just nothing. It was just nothing inspiring at all. No. And I'm sitting at home watching this, and I'm thinking to myself, if I'm a player sitting on that bench, how am I supposed to get motivated at all? Like, I, I do not feel motivated in any sense by what is happening right now. We're in a lull. I believe six of the last eight minutes the Kings were on the power play. Th that was even worse. That was even – I mean – Talk about being given any possible chance you can think of to get back in a game and squandering it. I mean, it, it, when stuff like that happens, it's again, it's a snowball effect and you can't figure out how to dig yourself out of this kind of a hole anymore. Yeah. So sometimes you need to do something like a trade, like a coaching fire to just kind of snap you out of that delirium in a way. Yes. So looking at the schedule here, let's look. We got a nice little homestand coming up. So we'll we'll look through the homestand. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, New York. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Okay, so New York Rangers, one of the worst teams in the league. Okay. If there was ever a chance of maybe winning one and trying to starting the homestand in the right way. Correct. I think that's it. I think if you lose to New York. Man, I don't, I don't even know where – like is there a level below rock bottom like magma <laughs> or the score? Liquid hot magma. <laughs> Liquid hot magma. 
like because that's where that's what losing to the Rangers and losing seven in a row. That's pretty much where you're at. Yeah. Because it's not getting any easier after that. Then you get Philly, who probably hasn't been playing as well as they can, but their offense will just annihilate you on any given night. Columbus, that's another rough game. Similar. Anaheim, who really, if you look at their their numbers, it's kind of baffling that they're actually yeah, doing they're as well as they pounded. are. Yeah, they're getting pounded. John Gibson Dude, is getting pounded every yeah. night. They lost tonight. Um to Dallas, but I mean, they are not playing well. Yeah. If you look Dude. at their advanced statistics, it is a, a train wreck. Yeah. Um. So, but they're winning. They find ways to win on a lot of nights. So that's the right. difference, right? Like, I don't know. Um. So yeah. So Anaheim's a winnable game. And no I doubt so about too. it. I no think so too. It. If you had asked me at the beginning of the year, is that a winnable game? I'd say yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I think New York is. Again, you hesitate to call anything a must-win this early on, but dude, it is. I'm man, sorry. <laughs> what do you? Yeah, it's a must-win. It's yeah. a must-win. Just like Buffalo was a must-win. Just like Minnesota was a must-win. At this point, right? You just got to get off the Schneid, right? Quick. And then after Anaheim, you have Minnesota again, and then Calgary, and then Toronto. Yeah. Again to close. I mean, so I'm just looking at this and. If I were to just look objectively, paper to paper, team against team, not looking at records, I would otherwise think to myself that Philly, Columbus, Toronto, those are the rough games at home. Those are the, those are the, the the ones that I could see them losing those three in, in any other season, right? In any other situation, yeah. and that New York, Anaheim, Minnesota, Calgary, I think those are the games that. I, so I would I would expect like a four and three homestand at the minimum in any other situation right now I'm looking at that and I'm like, man, can they win two of those games? Can they win one of those games? Yeah. Because Calgary's pounded us at Staples forever. Um, like I said, Anaheim finds a way Minnesota just defeated us. So it's not like you can't envision that. Right. Um, yeah, it's, (laughs) it's on the team, man. It's, I don't, it's on the players. Right now, yeah. that's I think that's my final thought on, yeah. on what's going on. They got to figure out a way to turn it around. Someone's right. got to grab the <laughs> proverbial bull by the horns and just right. take control of something, change something, make a play. Yeah, make and a play. maybe it's Dustin Brown showing up and doing his signature between the legs toe drag move, and maybe he succeeds this time, and maybe he scores a nice little highlight reel. And that's that. I think that's the other thing that frustrated me, man. Against Dallas, they had two beautiful highlight highlight reel goals, including one with Walker delivering like a perfect tape to tape pass to set up to Foley on a half breakaway. Like to me, those are plays that should energize yeah, you. Yeah, galvanize you the going. team. I mean, the look on Kopi's face after he scored that goal. I, I have not seen that dude that excited to score. And, and that's how I know they're trying. And that's how I know. I know they care. Like, I don't doubt that. People say, oh, look at them. They don't care. They care, man. Like, I don't doubt that. You it's know, impossible it, to not care. No. It, it's impossible. It, it, it is. It's just something else. It's 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 a mental thing. It's an execution thing. That's all it is. That's all it is. And you got to get out of it fast because... By the time that Toronto game rolls around, you're at what game number seventeen of the season. Yeah, I mean, and you're, it's you're, just you're, like, dude, <laughs> yeah. you, if you're in a hole like that big, then yeah. might, might be lights out for you very soon because Thanksgiving would be coming up pretty fast, and 
Yep. Numbers won't be on your side. Anyway, let's end on a positive. The Pacific sucks. It's possible. Yeah. You could get in the top three, even you having could. a beyond subpar season. You could still get in the top three because it's the worst the Pacific Division has been in like 15 years. And I don't think yeah. I'm exaggerating. So, yeah. Even though this is probably the worst start I can remember them having in that, the last 10 to 15 since years. Since 2007. Yeah. So I'd have to look back, but yeah. Yeah. So that's it, guys. Hang in there. Hang in there, Bannerheads, Kings Nation. We're, we're with you. Reach out <laughs> to us. I like it. <laughs> Reach out and touch us. We're here, we're here Just, to comfort you. Drop us an email. Drop us a tweet. Go yeah. to our website, bannermanpodcast.com. There's a contact form there. Contact us. That's right. Let's talk about it. We're listening to your woes. The airwaves are open. We're here for you. And uh, we appreciate all the followers we've been getting on Twitter. We we enjoy the love. And uh, I think if you just look at our Twitter, you see that we interact with anyone who interacts with us. We, you know, we're fans. First and foremost, we're fans. And we just enjoy the community that's kind of getting built by this. And that's why we do this is because we love it and we want it to be something that kind of unites us all in our misery and hopefully excitement at some points. Keep the faith, guys. We're with you. You are not alone. (laughs) You are not alone. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast.